0: Hello, and welcome back to Unbounded Conversations. I'm joined here as always by Dave, and we have yet another fantastic guest. Uh, We have Bitstock's Michael Hudson. Michael, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Guys, uh, excited to be here.
0: I guess maybe before we dive into uh, anything a little bit more abstract or grand, we should maybe talk about what is Bitstocks? Can you loop us in? Or if you can't, it's also all right.
1: Um, Right. Bitstock started out in April 2014 as predominantly an advisory investment house with education as the forefront uh, of our approach. So we saw that there was a massive void between investor aspirations and education to understand how they can get the returns it is that they're seeking. And no one really knew what Bitcoin was. Um, And my. narrative has always been and i maintain that in order to really understand the true value of bitcoin you have to understand how it fits into the world and if you haven't got at least a basic understanding as to why the world isn't as functional as maybe it should be then it'll be impossible for you to identify the true value of bitcoin and i always anticipated from way back five years ago right at the very beginning that that education is going to what maintains your mental state of equilibrium as we navigate through this space because There is so much uneducated capital being thrown around and it can result into a lot of tears uh, as an investor. As if you approach the space with a very strong fundamental compass and you fit that into a worldview, even if you do get some depression on your portfolio, which is inevitable, at least from a fundamental standpoint, you can wipe your tears, right? And that has always been our approach at Bitstocks. Now it is very much let's build a holistic ecosystem that is a genuine benefit and utility to what we deem to be the human experience. So when I say that Bitstocks now and what gravity is, is that we're building a bank. Well, that term needs to be redefined. Uh, What it is that we are building is a data bank. Money is a area of data. So we have different octaves to our plan. But right now, the stage that we're at is, let's build a really sexy user experience towards banking on Bitcoin, and let's get rid of the nerdy aspects. And that is really at the first stage, what gravity is right now.
0: Great. So maybe this is a difficult thing to do. You know, you talked about how, in order to understand Bitcoin, you have to understand how it fits into existing systems. But if for a moment we can, try and draw a hard line between, let's say, Bitcoin and the legacy financial system. If that's possible, what would you say are the strengths and weaknesses of each?
1: The strengths of the existing financial system is is its status quo, right? So it's always going to be hard to break away from status quo. The Inefficiencies in a financial system are not derived from, is it decentralized or is it centralized, uh, which is what the crypto space thinks it is. It's not the issue. The issue is, is, is it transparent or not? Is there accountability? Is there traceability? When there is benevolence within the system, is someone who is of a benevolent polarity, can they do something about it without their sovereignty being jeopardized? Um, these are the inefficiencies with how the current way that society is run, and that at its core, can only be run when you have pockets of shadows within any structure of our society or makeup so banking and the highest level of banking a really simple question would be we've got trillions of world debt America has the largest US military might So the question at a really simple level that a six year old could ask would be, okay, if America has the largest military might on the planet and they've got X, Y, and Z amount of debt, who would America be scared of defaulting on, right? And what is the world clock, debt clock really all about? If we owe all of this money as a planet, who are we paying? So I've always had these questions and I've always approached the world with with that view to really see the inefficiencies as to what is governing human behavior. I don't care about what an economist, politician, mathematician, uh, PhD says on the TV. That's just words. What I care about is what is the end effect as to how we live as a global collective. And that's where the inefficiencies within our banking system, our societal construct, our educational system, you can see them directly in how we're living our lives in different jurisdictions. What I found interesting about Bitcoin is that bitcoin is free equal access in terms of getting access to a monetary financial system with an equilibrium what i then very quickly saw is that when you realize that bitcoin isn't just money and you realize that this is essentially a torch a beacon of light that can be integrated into the existing system to disperse all the shadows and allow it to run more efficiently and more aligned with the human incentive aspect. So an example of that would be government, right? If a government should be a bunch of individuals who are the closest definition to what the collective wants, right? They should be the greatest representation of the people is that they claim to govern. We can enable that and ensure that that is maintained if we have transparency. And this is why and where I find Bitcoin really, really interesting. And this is why I haven't got too caught up on the fact of um, a universal reference value right now isn't as important to be established with Bitcoin. It will be great to have one world currency that is built on transparency. It will be great, but it's not the most immediate thing that we need right now. What we need right now is to take the advantages of Bitcoin and place maybe US dollar, euro, GBP on Bitcoin and have the transparency aspect to get away the shadows from the existing system. And then we can kind of march our way forward to a, maybe a Bitcoin, one world of universal value. But everything needs to be done in stages. The, the best aspect is transparency. Yeah, I,
0: I totally agree. And I think I would personally sum up what I see as a really big misconception around Bitcoin as follows. People think that it's disruptive because it's decentralized and they think that the decentralization makes it inefficient. But I think that's, both of those things I think are wrong. I think it's efficient because it's the most centralized system that we have. And it's disruptive because it's transparent. Um, and the fact that it's decentralized, or I, I think distributed is a better word, is really a trust factor. And it, It's not, you know, it's a necessary component in order to achieve the centralization that gives you that efficiency. And if that sounds like craziness, then maybe, if you, so if you hear that and it sounds like craziness, perhaps what you're thinking of in terms of centralization and decentralization is not what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of information and how information is centralized. And how can it be that a payment is cheaper on Bitcoin than through your bank if Bitcoin has to be run by 10, 100, 10,000 miners? it's because everyone has the same ledger uh, versus, you know, thousands of ledgers that have to find a way to communicate and through the difficulty of that process find ways of maybe communicating dishonestly in a way that benefits certain people and not others. I don't know if that strikes you as uh, a good way of describing the
1: misconception. I don't see that as an accurate depiction what I really try to do to help people see what a depiction like that really is and what it means is because we, we carry it with us all the time. I know I keep banging on about this. I keep on going back to nature. I keep on going back to how certain biological aspects influence other designs and technology. And when people really make this connection and you understand that you are an individual that is comprised of 100 trillion cells and those 100 trillion cells have 100 trillion atoms, and these chemical reactions that are happening billions per second within your body are what make you, you. But there's billions of changes happening within your body per second to make you, you, right? And if you take those reactions outside of your body, right, then you're no longer really you. You're not working in a functional way, right? Also, if I then need to do an assessment on who you are, I wanna make sure that your vital points are accessible and can be monitored. If I, if your vital points are decentralized and one point's over there and the other point's over there and the other point's in some different system because you outsourced it for security, when you lay on that table and I'm the surgeon and I need to like do an analysis, so I'm fucked, aren't I? And you're fucked, right? And, and this is the aspect that people aren't really realizing. It's about, having as much complexity, acting as one. And that is really what Bitcoin does. You have everything on it and you have a system that ensures that the present is being maintained with the utmost integrity. And that is what the whole 51% aspect is in relation to Bitcoin, because that gives you a right to start playing around with what you've done in the past. But it's the present that people battle over. Because you run off and you play around with the past with a 51% attack, does that mean that, say, me and Dave stop existing in the present? It doesn't. Me and Dave are still in the present, but now you're playing around with the past, so now if you want to catch up and be present with me and Dave again, well, that's a very different conundrum that you're going to have to, like, resolve. So people have looked at the whole mining process in the wrong way like it's an attack Uh, on on Bitcoin to have everything centralized uh, to one system. It really, really, really isn't. And ironically, decentralization in, say, corporate interests with projects like artificial intelligence is kind of what's holding them back. I'm glad it's holding them back. But Google building their data set, Amazon building their data set, Facebook uh, building their data set. Right, and whatever other respective companies building their data set, they're all building their own little pool of intelligence. They've got the same stock in which they're trying to get their intelligence from, but they're all building their own little pool uh, of intelligence. Bitcoin's advantage, if you look at intelligence, is going like this. That's centralization. So why would you have knowledge outside of the system? It makes no freaking sense the whole aspect as to what bitcoin brings to the world is you contain all knowledge which is us that's our input right and you make it a unified whole and that 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 is bitcoin's advantage that's what we've got over facebook amazon uh, google etc and do you know what i reckon they know it and i reckon there's been a very high level orchestration of manipulation in this space because i reckon that they know it and i'm talking about the highest agendas And those agendas are being filled out through other actors within this space to cause confusion and distortions and keep people in the hands as they will. And once people really actually realize that centralization, a distributed system that is centralized, is the most beautiful thing that we can have on the planet.
2: Clearly a very deep thinker. And I think one thing that I like about the Bitcoin, the BSV space, is that everyone I interact with is a very deep thinker and has various interests, but they go you know, really for the quality, not the quantity of interest. And they get deep in their, in their topics. So one thing I'm curious about always is did Bitcoin fit, um, something that you already think about thinking about and thinking about the centralization and this interoperability of information and knowledge, did Bitcoin fit something that you were anticipating or did Bitcoin kind of direct your learning, um, down certain rabbit holes because of what it could, uh, enable.
1: first got my attention just from the monetary aspect I was like oh this is a a system that doesn't require central banks very similar reaction to what caught most people's interest Um, it was only once I started to evaluate it with the background knowledge it is that I have um, and then Craig came on and obviously made a statement about biological connection and that made me see it completely completely utterly differently totally differently and now I realize that in combination with where we're going as a civilization in terms of data centers, non-local computation, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, um, that what Bitcoin really uh, is, is it's so closely aligned with space time and the concept of space time. And when you make that connection, which I never would have seen if i just was into bitcoin never would have seen this stuff if i was just into bitcoin it's all the background information and knowledge is that i it's my real interest i'll be honest with you, it really is my real interest and that's what allow me to see what i see inside of bitcoin because if i keep my vision completely focused on just bitcoin i lose the picture towards everything else right and i've always said and i maintained bitcoin is a one component And in its simplest form, Bitcoin is memory. And that is also the greatest ambition for a network as well, because where this eventually goes is, when you combine it with these other thought processes, is you could back up who you truly are in a very holiday way, ready player one way on top of Bitcoin with just a combination of a few different technologies, okay? The question then is, is how do we provide interfaces over that that make it immersive? And would we even want to go there? And this is what I find really, really interesting about the lack of deep thinking as to what this technology really is and how it can be uh, combined with other aspects of technology. which is kind of why I got very caught up in my own kind of thought process. Uh, I, did, I wasn't the most intera- haven't been the most interactive person over the last year. Because uh, I have just felt like people have been very limited by focusing on just the monetary aspects of this technology and they're being blinded, ironically, by their own greed. Um, it is, if you really study other subject areas and then you take these other subject areas and then you look back at Bitcoin, Um, I think that's where, for me at least, the clarity of product applications and breakthroughs can come from.
2: Yeah, because everything is almost amplified, It's, it's exaggerated and it's sped up. And so, like, I feel like I've learned a lot about sociology and politics and all these things from watching Bitcoin develop. But one thing I want to go back to, you said space time and Bitcoin. Can you say more about that?
1: I'll give you an example I haven't really shared in much detail. Um, so going back to what I was saying about being 100 trillion cells, right? If you actually really consider what that is at an atomic level, it's energy. Little ball spinning, okay? So you are at your most primitive level, energy, okay? So when you're moving, you're just walking across the hallway, you are actually writing forward. So you're writing the future into existence, into the present. But as you're walking down that hallway, your energy, which is just literally, just just spinning at the atomic level, is leaving a ghosting of that event happening. And that ghosting is recorded on the fabrics of space time. So if you didn't take that and you look at Bitcoin, what is Bitcoin uh, really actually doing? Well, the blockchain, the mining process is we are writing, we're grouping transactions and we are writing forward. As Soon as those transactions are stamped, they become part of our collective state of understanding, our collective state of memory. And you read that backwards and you always uh, write forward. If you want to change how the system works, you create a new chain, so Bitcoin Cash, uh, Bitcoin SV and that is a new timeline right so you can't say be in this uh, uh, timeline and maintain that timeline without drastically increasing your, your resources in order to do so. Looking at this way and seeing this uh, connection is what has then really steered my work to other applications Um, and I see opportunity of search engines uh, on top of uh, Bitcoin uh, and a variety of different applications on top of Bitcoin where you can actually take advantage of what's going on now. Every reference that I've heard about Bitcoin is always talking about the blockchain analysis uh, as opposed to mempool analysis. Um, And that's cool. I think that's really cool. Um, And that's good. But you're you're you don't know if if that's reading my ghosting i'm already down the hallway and you're still caught up on reading my ghosting right and that in what unlocks all of that is what I've been touching on this whole mathematical subject, uh, which I've put quite a bit out there. Um, so I'm not going to overly elaborate too much and then provide all the secret sauce behind what I'm really getting at. Um, but I did want to share enough out there so people could start playing around with things. And if you're that way inclined and you don't think it's all goggity gook and crazy and taboo, um, there's, there's actually a lot that I've put out there uh, for people to start piecing things together themselves. Um, and that roots back to like who you are uh, as an individual, how you work, how you work in relationship to the universe. Um, I could pluck all of that out mathematically. And, and that is, I guess, what I'm saying is the real, real place of attention towards um, the subject of, of Bitcoin. I say Bitcoin specifically because I haven't seen these patterns in another chain. I haven't analyzed every single chain, of course. Um, I don't feel the need or desire if the first system to this day still has been very, very um, misunderstood and people don't realise just what is baking within it and what different possibilities and where this truly leads to. Irrespective of how many hints have been put out there, I mean, Craig references Mandala networks. He references a bunch of different things and people just be like, oh, he sounds really smart. Um, and no one really looks into this stuff and, and, and tries to take things beyond. Uh, and that's one thing I'm always going to do, um, is we should always be pushing and challenging, tinkering, playing uh, and, and seeing where, where, where these things go. Uh, and I've made and Bitstocks has made uh, a lot of progress around the subject of space time and making certain arrangements and partnerships with people that we'll be announcing soon around that subject matter. So there's a much bigger agenda here at, at Bitstocks. It isn't just confined uh, around just, just Bitcoin and, 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 and that's it. Bitcoin is a, a core tool of how we're building out our business and our ecosystem, but in coordination with other things. Um, and the combination of these things is all about extending the human experience. Um, and it, it's not just going to take one technology. Bitcoin is a great foundation but it's how you package and then apply, which is why I'm so interested in these other subject matters.
2: Yeah, you've got me thinking now about why your product is named Gravity. And Mm -hmm. I'm gonna think about that for the rest of the day, I think.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that, that, I'm gonna stop teasing people with that. I will reveal that real soon. Uh, I'm planning on doing that uh, CoinGeek London. But going back on that, CoinGeek London last year, um, people are gonna be quite stunned when I really, showed just how much I revealed in that presentation because my whole business plan is in the symbolism of that presentation. In fact, the whole way that I saw the space going is in that symbolism presentation Um chains business model and their application and what they're doing with Bitcoin and what Bitcoin is, um, what gravity is, what Bitstocks is doing, why gravity. I had da Vinci, the Vitruvian man, the squared circle relationship and a Taurus. Um, it is all inside there. And what I plan to do in the next uh, Congee London is actually pluck that information out and say, look, this is really what I've been saying the whole time. And this is what we've now done. And these are the partnerships that we've made. Uh, and this is why it is that we're doing it. Um, which I think is going to be a nice, cool new chapter in in the direction of Bitcoin.
2: Well, I look forward to it.
0: So, you know, part of the purpose of this show beyond having just engaging in conversation is to provide some guidance and thoughts to entrepreneurs who are looking to make their mark in this space or find opportunity. And I feel like we've sort of presented two frameworks that I think we, we might want to try and unify in a way that's productive to those entrepreneurs. And so what I mean is that on the one hand, it seems like you've taken a very holistic approach to business where maybe it's just your personality type or maybe it's, you think that this is necessary, um, but that you want to understand the big picture, as big as you can get, um, and let that guide your business making. On the other hand, we talked about blockchain, or we sort of analogized a human body to the blockchain. And we understand that each cell in the body, each system in the body has a specific purpose and you know, contributes to the system, not necessarily with complete knowledge of what else is happening within that system. And so I, I think you and I would probably agree that in order to be a great entrepreneur, you don't necessarily have to understand uh, the exact trajectory of every atom in the universe and you know, be able to take it from one snapshot to the next. Where do you personally think, you know, if someone maybe is, has taken a aggressive hobbyist approach to understanding the space and wants to dive in fully, dive in professionally, uh, what level of abstraction do you think maybe hinders their progress or in how much detail do you think is going to be crippling in terms of
1: trying to understand? I definitely agree that I think the most that you can hope as an entrepreneur is to have 80% of your plan and then the other 20% you're going to work out along the way. Anyone that says and comes to me and says I've got everything 100% worked out and you've just started, if you've got five years, 10 years of history, cool. I'll be like, all right, I can believe now you've you've got your plan fully worked out. But right at the very beginning, uh, I think you could best hope to have 80% worked out and you're going to, life is going to deal uh, the next 20%. Uh, being an entrepreneur is like trying to build a railroad and the train's breathing down your neck and in crypto it's a freaking japanese bullet train um so there's definitely that aspect but the most important thing beyond all of that because i've been an entrepreneur my whole life set my first business when i was 16 the most time i've ever worked for anybody else compounded is six months of my life um so and of one thing that's kept me through and allowed me to fail forward in life is passion if passion is not your compass do not fucking set up a business it's as simple as that if you're not passionate about it if there's not a mission genuinely behind it if there's not a purpose that is greater than yourself i think you're at a massive disadvantage and with the way that businesses are being built today in a way that people are interacting with businesses. They want to feel like they know the business. I want to feel like I know the owner of the business. Uh, this is where media and social media uh, play such a strong play. This is why people are doing podcasts, uh, for, for instance, for example. Where we're moving into a world of very extreme automation. That doesn't mean you lose the human aspect, but you have to be more innovative as to how you're going to apply the human aspect, right? So. Passion definitely is 100% the most important thing. And just don't have graveyard complex. Um, don't think that there's some magic formula that voids you from being part of the game. Uh, this is why the graveyard is the wealthiest place on the planet. Uh, surgeons who never became surgeons, musicians who never became musicians, entrepreneurs who never became entrepreneurs, right? Because themselves or their environment told them that they can't do something for whatever reason, as opposed to just being, screw it. I'm not letting fear dictate my decision-making process. Courage will dictate my decision-making process and I'll fail forward. Um, I think too many people are scared of failure. It's a necessary part of success. 10 years to be overnight success.
0: I think it's great advice. In the, uh, so you're creating, you know, for lack of a, we already put the air quotes around it, uh, a Bitcoin bank and so clearly you think that there's a need in the Bitcoin space for better financial service products uh, or, or maybe that's not true
1: Bitcoin the banking space needs the influence of Bitcoin. I, I think that's a better uh, way of looking at it because our approach uh, what is that we doing we're building a software layer so it's really being built as a software layer for the new internet that is being built it's like a liquidity engine that people just be able to plug into and you do what it is that you're doing on top of that but at the same time we're iterative in our processes so right now we know where it is that we are our user experience is still governed by desktops laptops and our thumbs with our mobile phones um so we'll build an experience around that and as innovation is Uh, booming in relation to interfaces. We will build interfaces that are more immersive and the applications, once you're more immersive, naturally start booming uh, as well. So we're building it to be very, very dynamic and fluid in a way that we are not going to anticipate what products everyone is, that what, what products everybody wants. We are very much influenced by the proof of work concept within Bitcoin and mining. And what we want to do is provide a platform that incentivizes people to interact with the platform and actually help build it. Um, so it's, it's yes, bank, which is why I put the quotes, um, but it's, it's been done in a very, very different spirit uh, to be very interactive, to have a community uh, aspect to it as well, um, and to empower the whole core ethos behind it is um, education, uh, empowerment, uh, and sovereignty. Uh, and that really is how it is that we're building, how we're building gravity.
0: So, do you think if people simply try and replace aspects of the current system on Bitcoin, you know, take uh, you know banking service X and create Bitcoin service X, do you think that's going to ultimately
1: miss the mark? Um, well, yeah, no, it's the. It's a little bit more complex than that. I mean, for instance, right now, would I be a lot happier with Barclays if Barclays tokenized their e-money offering, because that's what they're all doing, and put it on top of uh, Bitcoin SV? I'll be a lot happier with Barclays, right? Uh, As long as I had access to what their reserves are and that my money genuinely is there, that will make me feel a lot happier. But do I expect Barclays to take first mover and do that right now? No. So... What I think we should be doing is building great solutions that step on their territory and show them, okay, this is how we move forward. The difference is, is that that will be a, say, risky strategy of being consumed by a big competitor by opening up a new market for them. And then they just consume you and say, oh yeah, cheers mate, Uh, thanks for establishing that market and now we're buying your company and now we're gonna implement that as a solution. But it's different. This is why you have to factor in a geopolitical climate as well and pay attention to what's going on around the world from a media and social media standpoint because there's a massive, massive distrust and void being built between the people, big corporations and media. So if you're a business that has your own media arm and you're putting out your own message and, and you are getting uh, your community involved in the value proposition of what it is that you're doing My hunch is later on down the line, even if once Barclays, JP Morgan, all these companies see the light and they want to implement on top of blockchain services, well, you're dinosaurs, you're too freaking late. Why am I going to go with you when I know I've got proof of transparency elsewhere? Yeah, they're a smaller bank for now, but I've got proof of transparency. They're way safer. I know that they're a lot safer. Why would I I bank with Barclays? You're faceless, you're tongueless, and I can't communicate with you. So... It's other aspects as well. You can't just say, oh, yeah, Bitcoin solves it. It's, it's not just that. It's, it's the combination of these other things, having a geopolitical view um, and say, OK, is there an opportunity that is being presented right now that allows a new direction? And I think we have loads of those. We have loads of those right now uh, from the combination of different technologies. And if you're an entrepreneur, you should be aware of your geopolitical landscape. Don't just localize to your own jurisdiction. Be aware. Um, especially if you're developing on top of Bitcoin, because naturally you're, you're, you should be thinking globally if you're developing uh, on top of Bitcoin. Uh, but you have to be aware that it's a real world out there. The world is not your bedroom. So if you're aware that it's a real world out there, you have to have a world view with your product application. And then you change the world. You got
2: something, Jack? I I got one. Yeah. Um... So speaking of local versus global, whenever so one thing I'm really interested in in the Bitcoin space is uh, the regulatory hurdles. And when I used to think about it, I was always thinking we're going to need new new laws for this new asset class, uh, and like we're kind of entrepreneurs are going to be waiting on on this. Um, as I've learned more about Bitcoin uh, and Bitcoin SV. It's been made more clear that actually this is designed explicitly to fit within the current landscape and we're not waiting for new laws really just more more guidance more assurance um, of how existing laws would be applied so when you're building a product like gravity or something that's like explicitly in the financial domain how how do you navigate that how does uh, regulation and law factor into to how you scale and how you think about your business
1: for an expensive part which is why not many people have taken that route Um, and that's patience that is having discipline to play tortoise irrespective of seeing how fast and how far ahead the hares are sprinting uh, because you know that being an observer and observing is the best approach right now because the landscape will drastically shift underneath the feet of those who sprinted out the gates but you've got to have supreme confidence if that is your strategy Right, because that compounded thinking of being the slow one out the gates needs to justify enough energy so when you do springboard, you springboard and you leapfrog everybody because you was observing. That's not easy to pull off, which is why most people just sprint, sprint, sprint in chaos uh, and don't choose to really think and how to navigate through the waters. And one thing that we see now, obviously, with say if you follow certain people within the space of how they went from say a few years ago to how they eventually came into sv you'll probably find a trend of observers right people paying a little bit more attention to how this should all fit in um, so we've definitely done that and that has involved a lot of legal fees uh, as well um, and we've used top law firms now for years even before we incorporated i reached out to the fca <laughs> Uh, even before we incorporated, and I said, "Look, I'm going to do this thing. I know that I know it doesn't fall underneath your uh, remit, um, but like, what do I do? Like, can you give me some advice?" Really unhelpful, uh, and they just point, <laughs> they just pointed me in the direction of a of a law firm, and I actually went and contacted a local law firm, uh, compliance firm actually, who was uh, one of the top compliance firms in the UK uh, for scams, frauds, etc and I told them to go through the whole investment model and make me as preemptively compliant as possible until the regulation catches up, right? So I'm not even gonna say that's smart, that's responsible, right? So if you're, if you're, if you're choosing to be irresponsible and then you're gonna claim ignorance when, once you get pulled up on it, then that's your decision. But there's, there's, it's not rocket science to be responsible and ask the right questions. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's literally really is all I have to say on that subject matter. There's been more than enough time, there's been more than enough avenues out there to get some form of answers, and the answers that inevitably you can't get because there's a lot of gray areas in this space. You've got to make a moral decision. Uh, do I just go with the gray, or do I wait until we pull some whites and blacks? That's an individual business decision every single time,
0: yeah. Uh, I think there's that there might be some mythology built up there, you know, via Silicon Valley, um, the sort of break now, ask for forgiveness later, or whatever. Um, And I think it that actually might be a narrative that serves different people than you might expect. It makes me—I haven't listened to very much of this show, but uh, my fiance is a big fan of. I think it's how I built this, or something like that. The one that Reed Hoffman does, um, and they had on the uh, the founder of Twenty Three and Me. Okay, and she ends up, you know, with a bunch of regulatory hurdles uh, down the road. Uh, I think FDA. She ran into FDA issues because of you know she was collecting blood samples or some sort of DNA sample, obviously. And it, it was funny to me listening to that episode because the uh, what was sort of being preached is like you go fast and then eventually you have to like work with the authorities. And it was very the the sort of conclusion of the episode was that they came to an agreement. <laughs> Somehow this you know DNA uh, collection company came to an agreement with the authorities that was deemed acceptable, uh, and it was overall I think. It's a very opaque podcast and you, you don't really understand what these businesses are going through you're sort of preached a very sort of uh cookie cutter message around entrepreneurship which might lead you into certain pitfalls which could you know result in your having to sacrifice things about your company or, or make concessions that you wouldn't have wanted to make in the first place and so if you if you play by the rules, you might not get put into that type of compromising position where you have to sacrifice your integrity. I'm not reporting on anything specifically that happened between the FDA and 23andMe. Uh, I'm only n- noting that she was put into a very precarious situation where she kind of had to choose between you know, doing what the FDA advised her to do or potentially losing her business, and that's not a great place to be.
1: And it's a very individual case-by-case thing and you have to weigh up as an individual and Assess yourself and say, okay It all depends on your strategy, right? Because if you have a good idea But you know, that's a good chance. It's the only good idea you can have then you need to execute now 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 Right, and then you can ask for forgiveness later right, and that's that's fine. That's fair enough, but if your approach is no, I know where this space is going. I know what's going on and I, I want to be here in 20 years. Right. And I know that I'm onto something that means I'll be here in 20 years. Right. It'll be a little bit careful. Uh, and you want to ensure that your reputation isn't tarnished at the beginning because you went off and you sprinted. Um, and I think the people who have done that in crypto, they're never getting their reputation back. I'm sorry, like you're, you're not getting your reputation back. After this blows over, you're done. Um, and you can sit on the beach and wipe your tears with your remaining US dollars uh, after your inevitable serving of your sentence. Um, so it's, it's, you you've got a way up.
2: Right. It's also largely informed by people's ideological background, right? And the crypto community has skewed very heavily towards libertarian or like anarcho-capitalists or, you know, uh, working outside the law. And so I think a lot of these people don't think they're going to have to ask for forgiveness because they're working in this domain that's this technological you know hydra that government can't stop um so i think a lot of the interesting thinking and, and deep thinking about law and and regulate uh, being regulatory compliant it just hasn't occurred because they write it off as this is not a concern of you know of our of our sector which um yeah i, th- I agree i think that will backfire and uh
1: But there's also a lot of valid reason as to why those feelings and those sentiments are there. My question isn't passing judgement on the fact that these people have these feelings. Um, What I'm saying is they need a better handle as to why those feelings exist in the first place. And once people break through that barrier and don't get too caught up at terms like government or big corporations or even like media. Um, and then break through that barrier and say okay all of these things have been orchestrated by human beings right and what is the incentive scheme put into place that enables the action of these human beings in these respective uh, environments and when you look at that instantly you've got different glasses um, and people should be really viewing and navigating things that way because that would be a lot easier to assess where you are or not being misled And that, that unfortunately, when we have a society where people are afforded enough time or freedom to have, say, profound thought processes or or to have philosophical thought processes, if you're a single mum and you've got two, three kids uh, at home, all of which going to school, um, how much opportunity are you going to have to be philosophical uh, and and to think in peace? Same if you're a single dad. Uh, These are aspects where we have to be really understanding uh when we run around past judgment on other people's state of like intellectual understanding or capacity of how they look at a space because that by consequence then has most people outsourcing their thinking to social media gurus Uh, and and that's the big issue is because that's where most of this spaces knowledge is coming from Um, and i think those people are very weaponized in their agenda yeah yeah Yeah.
0: i think the, the devil
1: uh, is in
0: the details, and I like what you said there because I think that gets to where a, a certain amount of sophistication within a viewpoint can be very productive, and the lack of sophistication can lead to, you know, extreme counterproductivity. And thinking on a, uh, you know, in terms of things like government, business, media, If you can think on a more granular level, you can... I mean, ideally, you could think on the individual level and understand the motivations of every person within these systems. But that's not practical. Um, But I think you you still need to get deeper than just thinking about these sort of abstract systems. And I I think the sort of extreme anti-government sentiment in Bitcoin, it's understandable as like a first reaction to hearing certain things about that institution, but it, in order to do anything productive about it, it requires a more granular and sophisticated approach. And I think, um, you know, how do you get granular within government? You can look at specific agencies, specific individuals, specific special interests, and you can also look at specific laws and specific initiatives, and you have to separate all these things out. And I think ultimately being more process oriented um, and understanding like the processes and incentives that uh, are yielded by these processes is going to be more useful than uh, just passing a value judgment on the system as a whole, um, even if maybe probabilistically that value judgment yields you in the right direction. Uh, you know, being right. 60% of the time isn't necessarily good enough to make positive change. Um, so speaking of diving into the specifics of a system, I think a lot of people, when they talk about you know what aspect of the system is most addressed by Bitcoin, they would point to the Fed and they would point to the minting of new dollars. And I I don't think we need to talk too much about that specifically, but I would wonder if you would point people to maybe in a, a relatively specific way, maybe what else in the system they're missing, which is a more important perhaps villain or has a bigger impact, you know, on the sort of every man's life than the decisions of the US Fed in regards to how much money is printed.
1: Data, recording of that data, ownership of data, because uh, data is currency. It's the new currency, it's the new oil market. So Africa right now is being robbed due to the African Union, right? French are taking billions, knocking the of trillions out of Africa every single year uh, due to this. Reason being is, is that when you have a debt-based uh, monetary system and you have a commodity-based, oil-based uh, economy, what does a group of children in Africa do in order to produce value, right? We move into a world where you have non-local computation, so cloud-based computation, which means, and also things like 5G, which I'm not going to get too into the 5G subject because there's pros and cons, uh, but let's say harmonious 5G. Um, What that does and what that enables when you have a Bitcoin world is the currency of the planet is data. What is data? Human imagination that is not limited by the limitations of a bank balance, right? It's human creativity. So if you have, the, if you have a system where children in Africa can wake up and they could build and they could design and contribute to a global ecosystem based on the intellect they have in their brain, right? Well, that's oil. That's the new oil market. So how do you liberate Africa? Well, you don't look at the same roots. All you look at is provide tools, which is internet connectivity, and allow intellect and creativity to flourish. Monetary system being changed that allows the charging and billing in different ways by the second, right? By the minute. And allows a free flowing of uh, value to be communicated cross borders. It creates a new oil market. Data is the new oil market. So once we build infrastructure that unlocks that across all the respective uh, planet, all the respective uh, continents and countries, that's how you you kickstart and you you circumvent. Um, and then the old system isn't as important uh, as it was because. It's it's creativity, it's data. Our products are going digital. I don't need to worry about distribution, shipping, and all that malarkey when data and digital is the new economy. Uh, And that liberates otherwise oppressed societies, communities, and countries.
0: I think it can be challenging to reconcile the fact that Bitcoin gives greater ownership of data, and Bitcoin also makes data more transparent. Can you... How can both of those be true?
1: Uh, Let me see what example here. Uh, bear with me. I like, I like my props.
0: Dave, we need some props in uh, the show
1: hash up. right? I've got a box and I've got, I'm into anime and I've got uh Vegeta's head. Okay. So if I do a public transaction, everyone can see Vegeta's head, right? What we need in Bitcoin is actually already been uh, created on SV. Uh, I forgot the name of the company, but it's in a digital ID system, right? Privacy is important because you want to maintain business secrets, trade secrets, etc., etc. So we need privacy uh, on on Bitcoin. You have to have privacy on Bitcoin. Also, as an individual, I want to have privacy. Do I want everyone to know what assets I have? Absolutely not. Do I want everyone to know my net worth? Absolutely not. Right. But there needs to be a way of doing both. So when I do a public transaction, call, I'm just pushing these, and this is what's happening right now. Everyone's seeing Vegeta's head, right? What we need is the equivalent of a digital black box on top of Bitcoin, where I literally just go like that and I close that. And then now I've got this digital black box area uh, on top of Bitcoin. And this is what's being built on the identity system. I'm actually really interested in this subject matter for say GDPR compliance reasons, MLD5 uh, compliance reasons. This is a really interesting subject matter for me. and something that we're looking at quite closely uh, here at Gravity. Now, what the only way that this box—consider this to be Pandora's box, right? Only way that Pandora's box can be opened in Bitcoin is through the traditional adjudication process, being law and order. Has to be a court order, and court order says open box, and you've then got option to open box and you pluck out Vegeta, right? But that court order would say you have to open the box for us right and then you are presented with that conundrum where you have to open the box so that is how it needs to be done Uh, we need to be able to have a box within a box within a box within a box if we so wished and that is what's being built with our our identity systems but we're not quite there yet so I can understand where the confusion is and I even went from my own process of all right I'm I'm super pro privacy um, but also super pro transparency Um, these are opposing statements, right? How do we achieve both? And the best application that I've seen thus far of attempting this is this new ID system uh, that's being built on Bitcoin SV. But Craig's spoken about the subject matter for quite for quite a while actually, to be honest. But the first time I've seen a, someone apply it in a really interesting way is, is this new ID system.
0: Yeah. I think maybe even in a more sort of intuitive way, um... I grew up in a small town, and now I live in New York City, and when I would walk around town as a kid, um, or like walk to a friend's house, there weren't many pedestrians, and I was very exposed, and going back home and walking around feels strange and exposed, whereas in New York there's people everywhere. Uh, I'm much more visible in a way, yet I feel much more private. And I think there's that type of dynamic that happens in, you know, a scaled version of Bitcoin where there's privacy within the herd. And that's, it's both sort of obvious um, from a practical standpoint. But I think, you know, someone who's maybe
1: Yes or no. and no, this actually ties into some of my work right. that I'm doing behind the scenes. That is actually only reliant on the pathfinding abilities of the people that are searching for you. So if I have a better mathematical formula of being able to spot you, I'll spot you instantly. No matter how much data or distortion or noise you've tried to place around you, I will spot you instantly. Uh, And that's about data recognition, pattern recognition. And this is what I was going back to walking down the corridor and most people are just looking at Bitcoin today in terms of doing analysis on the blockchain once it's on the blockchain, right? And then if you're saying that you put a lot of distortion, a lot of noise around you, it's gonna be a lot more difficult for that analysis to happen. Yeah, if it's being done in a traditional mathematical way that people are applying and looking at it today, but that's not say how I'm looking at it, looking at it and where I'm saying these mathematics goes is I'll be able to spot you no matter what you do.
0: Right. So yes, definitely. If someone wants to spot you and you are not inside of a box, I think you'll be spotted relatively easily. That being said, it still might be a positive shift in terms of the cost benefit analysis of tracking everybody. Um, and, and that's sort of the sort of safety in the herd aspect where you know if there's a lion and you're an antelope um, it it might not be that hard for the lion to get you if the lion wants to get you but the lion can't get everybody yeah.
1: and that, um, and there's, and there's scaling of different levels of privacy right uh, there are many I guess transactions where that degree of privacy is more than good enough
0: Right now you're right now the antelope is chained down uh, to the ground and the lion is just you know
2: having a field feasting.
0: Day. yeah <laughs> you better hope you just don't look appetizing enough you know
2: yeah so you, you said you're working on that earlier you called it uh, mempool analysis um, I you know we can imagine some um, black mirror type scenarios of that technology being abused what are some of the um, the more positive attributes that you envision and, and what motivated you to focus on that as a as a thing to develop? Um,
1: it's, a, it's going to be a requirement to really unlock the interface doors. So say one thing is um, to be able to give Bitcoin a voice. Um, and, and I want to talk to it. I want it. To, I want to talk to it. I want it to talk back to me. Um, and I, 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 I see how these things are very much possible in a not too distant uh, future. And that is why I personally find Bitcoin really interesting in once you've got data, a density set of data um, and people are incentivized to provide data to the system. I see data as a benign thing what you need is you need to be able to curate and articulate that data so the curation and articulation uh, of the data when well now its data becomes intelligence right so if you can unlock and actually read scan interact with intelligence uh, in the system that is how we could lead towards a artificial intelligence system that's genuinely serving of of humanity it becomes actually a public utility Um, It isn't feeding the beast, you're taming the beast. Um, It's a very different concept and it's only possible in Bitcoin. Only possible in Bitcoin. And it's not reinventing the wheel. I'm not saying um, this is a super new, ingenious way of looking at things. It's actually something that everyone is trying to do. Data is the race. AI is the race, right? Uh, But my opinion is, is they're kind of racing in the wrong direction. Only if Bitcoin can fulfill what Bitcoin needs to fulfill. Right. But then you need um, Tony Stark level of corporate dominance and and accessibility to technology to actually pull off what I'm envisioning pulling off. Um, Bitcoin makes it a lot more palatable, easier, and puts restrictions around it to tame and make sure that this is going to be utilized for good. And if it isn't utilized uh, for good, there's a variety of different ways where you shut it down. you don't have the same abilities with say Google, Amazon or any other application of similar uh, business models or similar approaches to what it is that they're trying to do and build.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting transformation that I've had personally uh, initially having this aversion to big data and seeing it as this huge threat and in its current state I do see it as threat Um, but understanding more about what Bitcoin could enable with big data uh, but in an own your data paradigm um, where the data is private but still Um, Transparent, or it can be made transparent, uh, and the incentives are aligned such that people would want to to make it transparent. I, yeah, go ahead.
1: That's why it's always good to keep an open mind because you can view Google and you could just hate them, and just 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 be a super troll and just flame and spit hate. But you can look to look at them and think, okay, I don't like how you're applying what you're doing, but it's freaking genius. Like you guys are doing some good shit. You're doing some cool shit. Right? Same with Amazon, same with other companies, Facebook, etc. They're doing some cool shit. You're completely surrounded by the wrong incentives right? and your agenda stinks. right? But in terms of, all right, that's a cool idea, but it would be much better utilized for humanity over here. Uh, that's the benefit of being open minded. And that's a perfect example, I guess, with, to try and encourage people to look at Bitcoin SV the same way as well people see uh, Australian bad pumpkin man, <laughs> right? right. And, and, it, and it keeps them away from, from Bitcoin SV. And that's naive and you're only hurting yourself. Just push characters out the side and be open-minded and observe and maybe you'll see an opportunity.
2: Yeah, absolutely agree.
0: Yeah, it's interesting earlier when we were talking about um, playing by the rules. And how people who don't, or people who take shortcuts and sort of tarnish their reputation early, are going to have a really hard time getting that reputation back. Um, It strikes me that Enchain is perhaps a really good example of a business that has taken the long view um, and is sort of in that model of, maybe we're off the grid now or maybe people don't understand what we're up to, but all of a sudden we're gonna be right here, and that's where we always wanted to be, and we were diligent and didn't take shortcuts in getting to that point. It's ironic in that um, I think their reputation overall is not great among the people who have some knowledge of them. Um, Whether that group is relevant or not is kind of a separate question. Uh, has that been, has the way that they've gone about business influenced how you've tried to maneuver bit stocks?
1: Yes and no. Um, do I care the state of their reputation? No. Um, do I care on their business acumen and their ability to pull off what they say? Yeah. Um, and. Ironically, their reputation actually leaves opportunity for someone else to step in and actually steer the space better uh, than they could uh, from a reputation standpoint. Um, And one aspect that Bitstocks definitely brings to the table and what we're doing with our media arm is bringing some nice, young, vibrant energy into the space. And we're going for mainstream in a way that other people just haven't really focused on. Um, So everyone has their role to play. Uh, I don't think any one company um, can say that they bring everything to the table um and that will go very against i guess the whole concept of what bitcoin is um it's going to be a very global effort so elephant in the room craig has obviously added to the reputational damage uh at nchain he'll tell you that himself does he give a shit? no um because his business model is 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 solid Uh, he's got his patents he wants to have the most amount of patents um, the guy's a genius. He exerts himself as such acts as such um, And throws his ego around a lot um, Does that mean that he's the most? Uh, palatable individual and the person that you want to be buddy buddy with uh, for most people no. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that the guy's a genius and he's done what he's done and People blur those two lines uh, Instead of separating them and just because they don't like him as an individual instantly. They can't deal with uh, SV but at the same time, um, we shouldn't put so much all-trusting uh, faith and adulation towards any character uh, in the space. Everyone has their own role to play, and Craig himself can be superseded. Um, so. I just always look at everything that way. Everyone's human beings. Tesla's work can be superseded. Einstein's work could be superseded. Craig's work can be superseded. And if we don't believe that as a global population and civilization, then what the frick are we doing? Um,
2: Yeah, Yeah, at at a certain point, the the work speaks for itself and whether you like him or not will be irrelevant even for the people that strongly dislike him. Um, I'm curious though, on the topic of Unchain, they're also in London. I'm wondering if you see London as becoming this hub of Bitcoin. That's kind of how I envision it as someone who who hasn't visited. I'm looking forward to uh, CoinGeek when I I will visit. But do you see London as, do you you see a geographical centralization around this? Or is because of its global nature, it'll be just inherently more distributed?
1: I like to think that London is going to become a bit of a hub. I guess it's kind of how we handle post-Brexit. Um, as the webinar, the government really doubles down and thinks this is a great opportunity uh, to get some good trade going on uh, in London. Uh, but I have a lot of strong reason to believe that London is going to continue to remain a bit of a powerhouse uh, in the world of Bitcoin. Definitely helped with Enchain being here. Um, we have no plans of, of leaving uh, here and leaving the UK. In fact, we're just now going through our solidifying our corporate structuring. And I've actually decided to keep HQ in in London. Um, There's many other jurisdictions that would be a lot more favorable for uh, tax reasons, etc. But I really actually want to make a kind of patriotic and sovereign stance because I've got some plans and aspirations as to how to integrate with what we're doing, hopefully later on down the line and influence how the government plugs in to a system that is built on top of Bitcoin. Um so hopefully the young London, UK takes this space really seriously and it does become a bit of an incubation hub uh, for the space. I'm
2: curious not to focus on the political aspect of Brexit, but as it pertains to Bitcoin, um, do you see Brexit as an asset or a liability? I was talking to a uh, entrepreneur who's working on customs and, and in that conversation, I, I had the thought like, oh, it's actually kind of an asset because there uh the board will be kind of wiped clean in some sense with trade uh trade deals and all these things and and it's an opportunity to introduce um like oh hey by the way we have this new technology and maybe we can try these things out while we're redoing our trade deals
1: uh so i definitely see it as an asset and i see it as a play uh, i voted leave uh and i'm still very much in that camp uh for a variety of different reasons which i guess we don't have to get into right now but um I think it does leave uh, some great opportunity for innovation, right? Every new problem gives an opportunity for innovation, and the fact that, like, I travel a lot, and every airport's a different experience, but I'm always in observation mode. And I just can't believe that we're still doing things the way, <laughs> the way that we are. To be completely honest with you, um, so moving to a system which is drastically more efficient. In, in, in our traveling process. In fact, there's a great innovations being made actually around this subject matter, which is biological technology being immersed with traditional uh, technology to create um, smell sensors. So smell is something that's never been digitized before. Um, and your smell receptors is 400 as opposed to your eye, which is three. And from that three, you create all of the uh, variances in light uh, that you can see, but your nose has 400. So what your nose can do in comparison to what the I can do is actually great, far greater. So they've actually found a way to digitize this and place this in airport. The concept is to be airport security systems and these systems. And this is where Bitcoin is really needed because this sounds scary without Bitcoin. But these systems are so freaking powerful and sensitive and non intrusive, depending on how you look at it, it can even detect what you had for breakfast just from sense for smell. So, if you're looking at airport security as an application, uh, well, you don't need all those big barriers and all these other things because you've got those sensors in the airport and it's detecting people as they go through. Like, even knows what they've eaten. So, you you that hopefully on top of Bitcoin for <laughs> for privacy reasons. Right. Why I like to keep an eye on interesting, innovative technologies to then see later on how they're gonna be combined and resolve certain like, questions like what it is that you're saying.
2: Yeah, you keep, you keep reminding me of Elon Musk when he talks about how thumbs are the limiting factor in uh, as we like interact with our computers and our phones. Um,
1: yeah, it's- In relation to Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk is an interesting one. He's a genius in himself, uh, yeah. but I think he's very, very much been uh, neutered since his $400 million deal from government uh, to build Tesla. But again, uh, maybe another subject matter.
0: I guess a good takeaway is if you like bacon, you might not like
2: nationalized healthcare.
1: That's healthcare. That might be a US one now. I don't quite follow that one.
2: That one from I'm I'm lost too.
0: (laughs) I mean, if they can smell what you had for breakfast and Mm. You know, you're pulling together that's risk. You might not be allowed to keep that bacon, even if that's true. maybe, uh, well, you know, you've seen the food pyramid. I don't know if that's <laughs> right, but what do you think that the system's going to be based on? Anyway. That's
2: true. <laughs> uh, that's well, you're,
0: you're good. You're good. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the science is with you, but the, you know, the system is going to respect that. <laughs> if you want to load yourself up with fat, you might uh, run into an issue.
2: Well, I've got. I mean, I've got a ton of more questions, but I, I want to be mindful of your time, and maybe we could uh, wrap up here with uh, a couple final questions. Does that sound sound good? Um. So earlier you were talking about, um, as a business, as an entrepreneur, you want to have like an eighty percent business plan and leave some room for, for uh, riding the wave of, of what your environment is offering you. So I'm curious. How broad is plan? You said your, your interest in, in finance specifically. Um, it's, it's much broader. And from hearing you speak about these other topics and seeing how excited you get about them, I, I imagine you have uh, an, interesting, an interesting vision of the Bitcoin future. I'm, I'm wondering, obviously you can't share everything, but, but what that, that future master plan looks like.
1: Inspired on being everything yet nothing. And that's from an experience standpoint. So, the word gravity and how you experience gravity, we're doing it right now. You have no direct relationship with what it is that you're experiencing from a conscious standpoint. Every single one of us is being held to our seat right now and it's everything that we are being held to our seat. You remove gravity, you're all floating around the air We we have no idea what's going on, right? So, same thing with air only time you know air's not there when it's not there right otherwise it's everything and it's only in fact it's only everything when it's taken away and then you realize it's nothing and everything that we're doing is inspired by how can we help the human condition that's what's very different about us and our approach where building a financial organization but we're building a financial organization organization with a mission in tow, and the reason why we're building it and we've got aspirations in which that we have is because the mission requires us to scale it to that level to kickstart what it is that we wish to kickstart globally. So, gravity and what we're doing at uh, Bitstocks' first application is obviously building a network, a distribution uh, network, and uh, catering to the banking uh, aspect in Bitcoin is definitely a way of building that uh, distribution network. The stages thereafter is how do we make it as an immersive experience as possible and introduce a new concept. And it's the ethos behind the company that then says, all right, from the profit is that we are generating, what are we doing with proportions of this profit in order to aid again the human condition and who are we doing that with and this is why we've now made certain partnerships um, with, with what it is that we're doing which is much more aligned with the grander vision of, of what we're building at Gravity and just to touch on that slightly there's two different ways of looking at this space okay you've got the creation the body Bitcoin and then the locking down of the body the creation which is patents, okay? No one is competing with nChain's business model. There's no point even trying, right? They've, they've invented it, they've locked it down, and they've got all the different combinations as to how to go about doing uh, this thing called blockchain, right, so I'm not gonna waste my time, energy, and efforts trying to be a competitor to nChain in that capacity, it makes no sense, right? However, no matter what, on this planet, everything runs on energy, and everything is restricted by thermodynamics. That's why I spent my time and my focus and energy over the last few years. And that in combination with the distribution network that we're building with gravity and Bitcoin, um, that really is what our core mission is. But the aspect as to what fuels it all, isn't the fact that we know we're on a trajectory to make billions. Um, Yeah, cool, that's nice. But it's what we're doing what we're going to be doing with the money, which is what makes it different for us. Um, And that's the approach. And ironically, and this is why I say if this model works, there is no other model because we're doing it, yes, to make money, but we're not doing it so I can line my pockets uh, with all the money in the world and just say, oh, yeah, I'm Mr. Big Billionaire. Uh, No, it's what are we doing here that collectively aids towards this mission? And is it viable that we can actually pull this off? Um, so I know that's kind of wishy-washy and it's still relatively vague, uh, but I guess I'm going to have to get you to sign an NDA and we can talk privately if you really want to know.
2: <laughs> I'd love to, yeah. I'd love to, yeah. No, that's definitely a pattern I've noticed in the Bitcoin space, Bitcoin SV space, is um, entrepreneurs who have a, an overarching vision, Coin was the means to the end, uh, whereas when we were investing in the broader cryptocurrency ecosystem, it was, it seemed like it skewed more towards people who saw Bitcoin and said, how can I use this? Um, And I'm I'm very excited by the people who have uh, a passion that's outside of Bitcoin and Bitcoin can enable it. And uh, I love seeing, yeah, I'm excited to see how that works for all these great entrepreneurs.
0: I guess, I guess here we have moral progress in a nutshell. Google says, don't be evil. Bitstock says, be good. (laughs) Uh, Michael, we really, really appreciate your time. I uh, had a lot of fun in this episode. I think people are going to take away some really good advice and also have, they're going to have some new frameworks for looking at Bitcoin, what it offers, what it, uh, and how people can contribute to that system. And so we really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, let's have you back and do an hour on uh, Nikola Tesla. <laughs> All right. Thanks again.